So, <laughs> services like this morning's, those foundation services, do y'all find them to be helpful? I think so, even though I think most of the people here at the prayer center and most that listen already have that mind. Having the scriptures like that where you can help other people, I think. Because I'm telling you right now, God's not interested in putting America back the way it was. We've got to have a real revival. We've got to have a change of heart. We're way beyond the place where correcting things by laws, that's not going to, that's not going to get it done. It's going to have, I was listening again this week to my friend Homer Betancourt's testimony, and he's associate pastor with Bronk Flint down in Immokalee. I love Homer. One of the reasons he's, he's as short as me, maybe a, maybe a tiny bit shorter, maybe not. I keep shrinking now. But anyway, he was, he was a rough dude. I mean, uh, you know, gangs and fornication, well, his own testimony, drugs and fornication and, and guns and stealing and just on and on and on he goes and he did it for decades and it's part of the culture that he grew up where he grew up you know and uh, <clears throat> and see there were all kinds of laws against everything he was doing there was laws against all of that like there is with you know people do it anyway wind up in prison you know but see what america's got to have is the same thing that happened to homer same thing that happened to Sue and I, even though we've got a long ways to go from being Christ-like in every way. There was, we got radically saved. Our life changed and it's never been the same since. Uh, Homer, he said, I knew within the first five minutes, fornication is wrong, <laughs> stealing is wrong, I can, cocaine is wrong, d- doing drugs, uh, dirty jokes and all, just all of his whole life. And he said the other thing that he was really emphasizing on this last week, uh, last time I heard him, he said he and his wife, who his wife is wonderful. You ever meet his wife? It's another one of those grace things, you know, in the same way I'm not worthy to have Sue. Trust me, Homer is not worthy for Rosa. I'm telling you right now. And but they things had gotten so bad between them because of both of them. Really, she wasn't saved either. That he says we already for a long time had not been sleeping in the same room. We. We, we couldn't, we despised each other really, and, and she said she had every right to, and I was just evil. <laughs> you know? I mean, Homer, you said it, okay? But he says, the very, it was five o'clock in the morning when he got born again, and he was at home. And he said the first thing that happened, almost the first thing, he went over and knocked on his wife's door, and what, you know, five in the morning. <laughs> he says, I, sweetheart, I just want to tell you that I love you again. Of course, it's like, go away and shut up, you know. But, but she watched him. And, and uh, she said something in him changed. I mean, there was no denying. And she said the very next day, that same day, later in the day, she saw him out there at his pickup. <clears throat> working, doing something in his pickup. And what it was, he was going through and getting all of that dirty music. You know, that rap filled with F-words, music, got all of that out. He couldn't have the, the same very first day. See, here here we go. Got a new sheriff on the inside. I was going to read a scripture, but it's just one verse, and it's the second thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those that mourn. I am in mourning for our country. I am in mourning for the state of the church. I am in mourning 
for the whole world, really. And it seems to be getting more so, not less so. And uh, <clears throat> I'm so glad for the prayer times. I know the church keeps getting smaller the more we keep doing what God tells us to do, and I'm okay with that. I just want revival. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if it comes down to, I don't care what it takes, you know. We've got to have revival, and it's got to be that kind. Heart change. Where you're, It's not the law telling you not to murder your baby. You, there's nothing in you that would do it. You just wouldn't do it. And again, it's not, Sue is really good to point out to me, said so many of these abortions is not really the woman's choice. She's been forced to do that by her boyfriend, by her pimp. Pimp. We need pimps saved. <laughs> we need all these boyfriends saved. These baby daddies need to become real daddies and marry their wives and raise their children. God's plan has not changed. A man, a woman, and children, that's the family unit. But see, if we don't stand up for the truth, there's so much at the church world. And that's what he was telling me. Again, I, this isn't in the Bible. It's uh, quoting Mr. Bonhoeffer, who was one of the few pastors during while Hitler was coming to power right before World War II. He was one of the few pastors that would stood up and declared the truth. He wound up paying for it with his life, too. He was hung. and uh, But he would stand up. And he's the one that says... Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. If we don't stand up and tell the truth right in the, right in the face of the enemy that's trying to destroy not only, it's more than destroying America. They're after you, Christian. I'm telling you, they are coming after Christianity. You cannot have this one world global thing without destroying Christianity. That system only works when the state is God. And that's that you're the target. Christianity is the target. And any really, it's any religion, but especially Christianity, because ours is true. <laughs> and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's the one thing they have to stamp out. Can't have it. So I'm glad that the Lord has given us a voice, a platform. Uh, I, I know that probably most of the people that listen probably already have the right mindset if they've been doing this message, reading their Bible and praying and all of the things that we teach. But right on the other hand, we got to, there's a lot of them that might not. I think of all the, and I don't want to mention any denomination, but all of the teenage Christian girls, and I, I don't mean they're not Christian, but I mean they're not Bible-taught Christians, most of them. Teenage girls and boys in this generation Young ones, they don't think a thing about moving in together and sleeping together. And, and, and they don't think a thing about it. And it's evil. Where's the preachers? How can, they, how can they grow up in church and not know that abortion is murder? See? And all I know is, he's told me, I don't care if, you, I don't care if they cancel you. I don't care what happens. If you have to stand on a, on a street corner and proclaim it from a soapbox. Don't remain silent in the face of evil. Declare the truth. Stand up for the truth no matter what. And bless God as long as I have breath in me. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So I'm going to have a very short service tonight, I think. Uh, really what I, what, what I would love is just, just to have just prayer. I, again, I want to thank Tim. I want to thank Alan. I want to thank everybody at the prayer center for 
the time they invest opening the church to have it available, even though there's just a handful most of the time that's here, I don't care. There's a, we have pixels of revival still alight. <laughs> there might, we might have five pixels or ten pixels. You know what I mean by that? That, that are, that are actually doing it. But bless God, you could, Jesus changed the world with twelve people. Started out with twelve, poured his life into twelve. Well, Bless God. I believe we're going to have a real revival. My, the vision for revival, I thank God for Pastor Dave Roberson, who put that vision in us, and he never wavered. Dave and Tim are smart. Have you all figured that out? They could have the biggest church in town if they wanted to. They know how to have programs of every kind that would just funnel people into this place. But thank God they were true to the vision that God gave them. But we have never been told to go build a big church. We've been told to go after God. Take a group of people and go far enough into God to bring a supernatural revival to a religious city, and then that will spread around the world. Thank God we're still on that path. I nearly called Hans, but I didn't want to put pressure on him. I nearly called him and said, you want the service tonight, please? <laughs> and if the Lord's giving you a message, march yourself right up here, buddy. <laughs> Tim, you want the service? <laughs> All I... All I have is what I'm saying right now. That's the only thing in me. I'm just so laser focused on revival. I told Alan after this, or I, uh, I gave him a good thumbs up. But see, Alan, it's obvious that what he's teaching is real in him. He's, it's real in him. I feel like those years when Dave just kept going over Romans chapter eight again and again, because he knew he didn't get it yet. We, he, he could tell we didn't have it yet. And so Alan, even though he said himself this morning, he says, I'm trying not to go there, but that's where the Holy Spirit wants me to go because we don't have it in us yet. I'm, I'm eager to, to have that in me. I'm eager to have that in me. But I don't do it on my little key. Because I, I believe it is crucial to where we're going. I'm trying to understand it, you know. There was, I could repeat Dave's teachings about Romans 8 for a long time before I understood them. Is that strange to you? You can hear things to where you can repeat it by rote. But that doesn't mean it's you. That doesn't mean it's transformed you yet. But I remember when it did. I remember when it when it dropped in me and, and no longer was it I just had to rely on Pastor Dave that every S in Romans eight was a little S until you get down to verse sixteen. <laughs> for a long time I just believed it because that's what Dave kept telling us, you know. But Bob, remember, I remember the day still when I went, oh, my God, <laughs> he's absolutely right. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand the born-again trail. You don't really understand what happened to you. And I get let emails still from some of the teachings where I've taught that same thing, and they try and correct me. And I don't mind if I'm wrong. I don't mind. I want to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong on that. And so I always have to pray and ask the Lord, where are they? Where are they? How can I one, one little step at a time, you know? Cause that's, he was so gentle with me, getting me to where I finally got it. Well, I want, I want all. I want it to be in me. I want it to be part of me. I want to live this. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play revival. I don't want to do it. I don't want any manipulations trying to bring in money or people or anything else. We need God. We need God to really show up and be able to show up in whatever that takes. 
So fasting, even though you know he's been working light, more light in me on that for years, it's like something something finally has clicked where I understand it in connection with Romans 12, verse 1, that I never even saw before. Dear God, it's so simple. Jesus, he sure presented his body holy unto the Lord, didn't he? Perfectly acceptable for his work and and uh, you know he he died on the cross every day. We know that because uh, Philippians chapter two he says became obedient even unto the death of the obedient unto death even the death of the cross. But that's just one time. He was obedient. He kept his flesh on the cross every day. Don't tell me there wasn't fasting involved. I know there was fasting involved. I can't prove it, but I know it. And But he kept his flesh on the cross every single day because the Bible says he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Well, that means he was tempted every day. See, if the lamb had one blemish, it's no longer the acceptable sacrifice, is it? He couldn't have one. Thank God we... we okay, let's don't even go there. <laughs> but that lamb had to be spotless. He couldn't even have one. Talk about perfect obedience. That's why we look unto Jesus and don't lower the bar. Press towards that mark, not some lower mark. But see, then it dawned on me, what about Paul? Because when you really read Second Corinthians chapter 11, well, all hell came against him trying to stop him too. You just read it. Stonings, five times he was beaten. Now, this is just the beatings by the Jews, not counting whatever happened to him by the Romans. But five times, he was 39 lashes, 40 stripes, save one. You can count those, right? Five times 39. You can count that. But he said he had, he had stripes without measure. That, boy, that guy was beaten so bad. If you looked at his back, I don't, you, couldn't, you couldn't count. It was just, just scars. You couldn't count the stripes. He says, he says stripes without measure. I don't think he's exaggerating. He doesn't, you can count five times 39. Stoned once, once unto death. Or almost, you know, they, they left him for dead anyway. The, the other ones had to gather around him and pray and raised him up. Three times, ships sunk, it, sunk out from under him. A night and a day floating in the ocean. Hanging on to some kind of piece of wood. Something. Can you imagine what the devil's telling him? Can you imagine? All night and all day, floating on a piece of wood, maybe, hanging on there. Can't you just hear the enemy? Where's your God now? He's a good God, is he? You believe he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him? How you liking your reward? I can hear that. How do you know that devil? Don't, don't, just don't go there. You know him. Discouragement. Things don't go just right. Where's your God now? How come this and how come that? Boy, you better resist that voice. Paul never did quit. And in that same list near the end of it, he's talking about perils of robbers, perils of countrymen, and so forth. But he mentions in hunger and thirst. Then right after that, he said in fastings often. Why a distinction? Hunger and thirst because there wasn't nothing to eat or drink. There was times, he says, I've learned how to abound, and I've learned how to be abased. So there was times, no hunger, no food, no nothing to drink, hunger and thirst. But then after that, he says, in fastings, 
often. Now, that's when you have food. It's available to you. But you choose. So I made a decision with the help of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not, it's just what it is. It's not brag. It's just what it is. In Gary's going to have a life of fastings often. Fastings often. Because I want to present my body. And I know the more we go into revival, the more the devil's going to resist us. We better toughen up, buttercup. We better toughen up. Emotionally, physically. So far, we've really escaped. We, the prayer center as a whole, and even the, the, the churches associated with us, fellowships. But as we press on, if we, we really start becoming dangerous to the, to the devil's kingdom, they're going to start protesting out in front of your house. Start egging your, your, your place, keying your car. I don't know what all. Or maybe harassing your kids at school. I don't know what all. We better toughen up. So those messages about where Paul says to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. Well, we don't just put a rifle in our recruits' hands and send them to the front line of Germany. You got to put them through boot camp. They have to toughen up. They have to be skilled warriors and know how. They make them disassemble that rifle and put it back together and disassemble it and put it back together. They can do it with their eyes closed. They can do it and just so quick. They become expert marksmen so that when you fire, you hit what you're shooting at. We got to do like that in the spirit. We got to be like that. And fasting's often. Why do they put those 40-pound packs on them and have them run for miles and miles and miles in the sunshine, in the rain, in the snow, in the cold, uphills and downhills? Why? Trying to save their life. And trying to make them effective warriors when they're out on the front lines. They can handle it. Well, that fasting is just one of, it's just one of the tools. I see it so, all of a sudden it's like click. I remember when trigonometry clicked. I mean, this is a long way. I failed trigonometry twice. I really did. And you can't, at that time, you couldn't go to college. I couldn't go to OSU until you passed trigonometry. I had to, I had to take it again in a summer class. And here I was failing it again. I just, and I, I'm a good student. I was trying, you know, even then. And then I remember the day. It's like, how does, how does Kenneth Hagin say that? It's like you put a quarter in the Coke machine and you hear it go clunk. <laughs> Of course, now everything's digital nowadays. You push buttons. But in those days, you put the quarter in there, and you could hear it go clunk. That's what happened with me. Suddenly, clunk, and I understood trigonometry. And I, from that point on, math was not really a problem. I mean, I had to study it, but it's just, well, I want that to happen with faith. I want that to happen with all the gifts of the Spirit. I want that to happen with the mind of Christ. Fasting has kind of done that already. It's like Oh, gosh, it's like Romans 8. I still remember when Romans 8 finally clunk, and I, I got it. Well, fasting has clunked. <laughs> that would be a title, but we better not. Fasting has clunked. It's funny. Now we need revival to clunk. To God, this is the... I lose words right there. What we call miracles is everyday business with God. It's just the realm that he lives in. It's just who he is. It's just not mysterious at all. It's just mysterious to us. 
wouldn't it be great if there was a way that on purpose we could get a teacher from that realm to come over to this realm and teach us those mysteries so that all of that could go clunk on the inside of us and suddenly empty in wheelchairs is just not an issue just not an issue anymore so all I, I'm just exhorting tonight it's not really teaching tonight just from my heart let's keep pressing in when it's when the opportunities are here for prayer let's press in like it doesn't matter if nobody else is here doesn't really matter be here just be here and there's no condemnation people work People come after they get off. I mean, I'm so impressed with that, you know. And even just come for, I mean, just come for an hour or two after they get off work. Man, what dedication. You, It's going to clunk in you. <laughs> We're going to get this. And exactly everything God said. Boy, if you want to be blessed, just read the prophecies again, starting with the blueprint. And everything that God has promised us, I believe every bit of it's going to come to everything that we confess on here that we've been confessing for all these years, I, I would not be here tonight, I would not do it again, if I did not believe we are going to have every single thing that we have said. Because Jesus said that. If you doubt not in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have what you say. Hello. That's us. That's us. So I'm just encouraging not only the group here, but you that are joining with us, press in. Just keep on. We're coming into the holiday season. It's going to be very busy. Um, you know, meals to prepare and fellowships. And God's all about family. That's okay. But boy, when we can, let's press, press, press. The only hope for this nation is real revival. An, an election's not going to solve it. Politics is not going to solve it. Even if we... Even if they change the laws, it's not going to solve it. Because what has to be changed is the hearts. And that's going to take a real revival. We need a Homer Betancourt multiplied millions of times. We need a, a you multiplied millions of times. Why are you here on a, fr on a Friday night instead of down at the bar? Your heart got changed. You're, you're, you're a different, you're, you're a different creature. That, that's real revival. You got, we need that millions of times, millions of times in America and around the world. Or they don't have to tell you, put a law on you not to steal. You just wouldn't do it because love does no ill to its neighbor. That type of thing. Okay, I gotta quit.